Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Whether you are with us in person, are joining us via live stream, or watching on demand at some later date, we're glad for the opportunity to worship with you today. If you are part of our Dayspring family, welcome home. If you are new to Dayspring, we want you to feel like you've come home as well. When you think about it, it's amazing that through the gift of technology, we can connect to one another regardless of location and worship together. No matter when or where you are watching from, we're glad you are here with us. Here at Dayspring, we believe nothing is more important than your spiritual growth. We are committed to helping you thrive no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. Perhaps you're just curious about church, or maybe you're just looking for some hope. Maybe you don't know why you're here this morning. That's okay. Bring your questions and your doubts. You are welcome here. Your journey matters to us, and we would love nothing more than to walk with you. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church or by checking out our Facebook page. I'm Chris Voigt, lead pastor at Dayspring. I'd love to connect with you if you have questions about today's message or about the next step in your spiritual journey. If you want more information about Dayspring and getting connected into our community, I'd be glad to help you do that as well. To help you get the most out of the message today, we've prepared some discussion questions to help you process what you are learning on your own or with others. You can find the discussion guide in our resources section of our website. And now, let's worship together. You know, I remember many years ago when my oldest daughter was in grade school and she'd made a new friend that happened to live down the street and she asked me if she could play with her new friend. She wanted to know if maybe this new friend could come over to our house and they could hang out. And as a busy, relatively young mom, I was positively predisposed to the idea, mainly because this little friend lived right down the street and my mind raced with the pleasant thoughts of my daughter being entertained by someone other than me. Uh, The fact that she lived just a few houses away, oh, this makes it easy. And what if they became really good friends and she could go over there and wouldn't that be awesome? And of course, you know, I needed to introduce myself to the parents before their daughter would be able to come over to our house or my daughter would be able to go to their house. That's the unspoken rule. Parents meet parents before we let our children go over to a friend's house. So I walked my excited little happy self down the street to the house where this little girl lived and my mind was racing with the possibilities of all that I could get done while my daughter was busy playing with her new friend. And I'm pretty sure I might have even had like a little skip in my step. And I arrived at my destination, and I knocked on the door, a happy little knock, filled with great expectation that on the other side of that door was a parent that would be just as excited as I was. Excited to meet a parent whose child wants them to come over. And I knock, the door opens, And I introduce myself with a smile and with great expectation and confidence. I point to where I live. Hello, I'm Michelle. I live right down the street. And I believe our daughters would like to have a play date. And the dad who opened the door is not smiling as he says, yeah, I know who you are. 
Wow. What did that mean? Clearly he wasn't impressed. Somehow, at least it appeared so at the time, though we had never met, he already knew something about me, and it didn't seem positive. It seemed that my reputation, although I wasn't sure what it was, had preceded me. Today, we're wrapping up our series, How Do You Recognize a Christian? We're looking at 3 John and talking about how our individual reputations can bring people closer to Jesus or push them farther away. And we'll take a look at three men and how their reputations impacted the spiritual growth of others. A person's reputation is the estimation or evaluations others have of your character, your integrity, basically your standing as a person. It could be good, bad, or ugly. It goes where you go. It often arrives before you get there and stays long after you leave. It takes time to build a good one, but seconds to destroy it. It gives you influence over others for both good and bad. It is a great responsibility. It's a gift to use for the glory of God. And today we have an opportunity to think about our own reputation and how it might be affecting others. So let's prepare our hearts for what God wants to say to us about our reputation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I think we can plug along each day not really paying attention to the influence that we have on others and the, and the person that we're becoming. So today, God, we open our hearts and our minds to you. Grow us. As resistant as we may be, grow us into the men and women that represent Jesus Christ accurately. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Dayspring online, and good morning, Dayspring in the house. Before we dive into the scripture, let's get a little backstory on the letter that we call 3 John. Now, as Chris mentioned last week, this is the shortest New Testament epistle. This letter is addressed to Gaius or Gaius, depends on how you want to say it, but also mentions by name two other individuals, Diotrephes and Demetrius. And these three men had reputations both within and without their outside of their local church, um, such that John is actually writing about them. And remember, this information is coming through a letter. John's not actually present at the church at the time, but he's encouraging them from a distance, which is another example of how far our reputation can reach. I mean, the phrase, it's a small world, is absolutely true. Now, this 200-ish word letter was written by John between AD 80 and 95 to Gaius, Gaius, however you want to say it. The, um, an ancient church historian whose name I cannot pronounce suggests that this letter was written after John was released from the rock quarry island of Patmos. Now, if this is correct, it may be that this is the last letter written in the New Testament. Last week, we finished up 2 John, which does not mention anyone by name as this letter does. In 2 John, the problem was showing hospitality to the wrong people 
whereas 3 John discusses the issue of not showing hospitality to the right people. As we look <clears throat> excuse me, at the reputations of the men in this letter, I want you to examine yourself. What do you have in common with these men? And I want you to ask yourself the question, how does my life, my current reputation, bring others closer to Jesus? Do I live out Matthew 5.16, which says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So let's read through John's entire letter, and then we'll come back and unpack it. This letter is from John the Elder. I'm writing to Gaius, my dear friend, who I love in the truth. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me, a very, made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through even though they're strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God, for they are traveling for the Lord, and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephes, who loves to be a leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, I will report some of the things he is doing and the evil accusations he is making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the, te the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them, and when they do help, he puts them out of the church. Dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children, and those who do evil prove that they do not know God. Everyone speaks highly of Demetrius, as does the truth itself. We ourselves can say the same for him, and you know that we speak the truth. I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to write it with pen and ink, for I hope to see you soon, and that we will talk face to face. Peace be with you. Your friends here send you their greetings. Please give my personal greetings to each of our friends there. Okay, let's break this down. Let's look at just a few verses at a time. Verses 1 through 4, that's where we're going to start. This letter is from John the Elder. I am writing to Gaius, my dear friend, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I hope that all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are giving, or that you are living according to the truth. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Now, Gaius, the first person John identifies, is the recipient of this letter. Four times in just 15 verses, John will address him as dear friend. John clearly loves this man. 
And Gaius was a common name in those days, and we find several of them in the New Testament. Scholars suggest that this is a different Gaius than those in other books or letters of the New Testament. It appears that this is his first introduction, and what an introduction it is. Gaius has a reputation for being spiritually healthy. He obeyed the word of God, and he walked in the truth of God's word. John is stating that he hopes his physical health is as good as his spiritual health. Our physical health is, is a result of good nutrition, good rest, balance, margin, exercise, basically a disciplined, balanced life. And our spiritual health is the result of healthy spiritual disciplines and balance as well. At Dayspring, we care about your spiritual health. So much so that we have a focused discipleship process in place to help you become a healthy, mature Christ follower. And it begins with our Explore Series classes. You can find more information about the upcoming class in the bulletin, and you can register using your communication card. Now, what if I were to pray for your physical health to match your spiritual health? What would happen to your spiritual health? Would you be home in bed? Or would you be running a marathon? I I'm guessing that most of us would be somewhere in between. But what if we were all at the marathon stage? What would this world look like? What would our marriages look like? How much more would we be impacting our community for Christ? Our spiritual health directly impacts our reputation. When we're spiritually healthy, our lives reflect the love and grace of Jesus because that's what's in our heart, and we live out what's in our heart. Now, people can't see our physical hearts, but they can often see our spiritual hearts. That's because what's on the inside does come out. Our spiritual health is evident to everyone around us even when we're in denial. Uh, they may not define it as spiritual health, but our character, our integrity, our love for others all culminate into our reputation. And our reputation is a direct reflection of our spiritual health. Our reputation gives others insight to what our relationship with Jesus looks like. Abiding in Christ, as we have been talking about for weeks, makes us and keeps us spiritually healthy. It's easy to say, abide in Christ, but actually doing it is sometimes much more difficult. Remember that abide means to stay deeply connected, continually in all circumstances. Do I stay deeply connected to Jesus in all circumstances, all joys, sorrows, and trials? Next, John mentions a specific way that Gaius uh, is helping to further God's work. And John speaks of practical ministry that Gaius is participating in. Let's look at verse 5. Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God. For they are traveling for the Lord, and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves 
should support them so that we can be partners as they teach the truth. So last week, Chris talked a little bit about hospitality. And in the time that this letter was written, hospitality meant taking in people who were basically strangers to you. Uh, you may have heard about their reputation through others and how they're walking the walk and talking the talk when it comes to Christianity. But most likely, you would have never met in person. Travelers uh, may have brought a letter with them that was to vouch for their faithfulness and reputation for being a, a devoted Christ follower. Uh, maybe you've heard that they're a sound teacher of truth, but sometimes you didn't hear anything ahead of time. Being a Christ follower meant that you would open your home to host guests for a time so that they may bring their ministry to the church. Providing for these teachers was not just offering a bed to sleep in. It often required providing food and laundry services and even financial support. And it might be an extended stay. It wasn't as easy as it sounds, and I just wonder how many of us would do that today. There was an expectation for, for believers to support the traveling teachers of God's word as long as they were teaching the truth of Christ. They were not to support teachers who were teaching something other than the gospel or teaching that there was something to be added to the gospel. Christ, all, or Chris, he's not Christ, believe you me. I know him pretty well. Chris also talked last week about traveling teachers who were not teaching truth and how that should be handled. And you can listen to that uh, or watch that message on our website. As mentioned before, not only were there those who were intentionally teaching something other than the gospel, there were also those who were just freeloaders who traveled around and lived on someone else's dime. And it was important for believers to support the Christian teachers so that those who did not know Christ would not get the idea that you could either buy your faith or that someone was just trying to get their money. The same is true today about supporting Bible-based ministries. It's our responsibility to support God's ministries. It's, um, it's, it's a part of our way of helping to get the truth of the gospel out to the community and out to the world. For Gaius, he, he not only walked in the truth himself, he helped extend and defend the message by supporting others who were teaching and preaching. He had a reputation not only of abiding in Christ privately, he also lived it out publicly as he supported God's work by supporting others. In these next few verses, John introduces us to person number two, a leader named Diotrephes. Along, or John also gives us a sneak peek into this guy's character and reputation. Let's look at verse 9. I wrote the church about this, but Diotrephes, who lives to, be, lives to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, I will report some of the things he's doing and the evil accusations that he is making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. Wow, what a contrast. And it can even seem a little gossipy the way we read it. But the purpose here is not just to badmouth Diotrephes. 
John's goal is to maintain a healthy church. And sometimes hard conversations need to happen in order to call out someone or something that's leading others astray. That's what healthy churches do. And in this case, Diotrephes had a real pride issue, and it was putting him above Jesus in this church. And there's a verse in the Gospel of John, which is different than the letters that we've been studying, but John 3.30 says that he, meaning Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. Jesus must increase and I must decrease. Jesus should continually become bigger and more of the focus and center of our lives. Diotrephes was not living this out in the slightest. He was number one, and he was not going to let John, the preacher, come in and take that away. In fact, he was spreading lies about John. The original phrase used here means to bring false and empty charges against. So Diotrephes was publicly spreading false negative information about John to this church, most likely in an attempt to gather his own supporters so they wouldn't listen to John or any other teacher when they came to the church to teach the word of God. Unfortunately, this happens in our churches today. One leader disagrees with another and begins to gather support from others, and before you know it, there's a church split. Let's face it. We are prone to believing the worst before we believe the best. We tend to listen too long and, and allow for false information about someone, especially in leadership, to change the way we feel about them or the way we think about them. We're too afraid to have an appropriate, healthy conversation because it's uncomfortable. So, we allow our hearts to go to a place that does not glorify God, and unresolved conflict resides. We even go as far as to continue the conversation inappropriately with others. Not only is that gossip, I call that being hit by friendly fire. Friendly fire is defined as the firing of weapons from one's own forces or those of an ally causing injury or death. Our words cause injury. And sometimes it causes people to leave a church. I mean, this is serious business. One of my hard and fast rules for anyone on any one of my teams is believe the best first. Go directly to the person if there's a question or if there's a doubt from someone under their leadership. Not text, not email, direct conversation. Yes, John is writing in a letter here, but he also will be coming in person to directly confront the situation. Now, I can't tell you how many times people have a negative opinion and they tell others about it, and even go so far as to leave a church without even checking the facts or seeking to understand the situation. And I don't believe this honors the Lord. It, it smells a whole lot like this passage here. The appropriate biblical response would be love, grace, conversation. It doesn't mean that we always agree, that's okay. But we love and we extend grace and we seek to understand. And, and we get help from a trusted Christ-following third party to help arbitrate or mediate if we need help to navigate the conversation. 
I remember when I was young in ministry, well, I still am, but when I was young in ministry, and I allowed someone to sway my opinion of another leader, and I got pretty high on my horse, and I don't even ride horses. Um, But I took my righteous little attitude to the pastor, because surely he'll fix it, and guess what? He did fix it. He showed me where I was in the wrong. Paul Knoll lovingly, gracefully, sternly guided me to the truth. And I will never forget it. It was a difficult conversation. And Paul led me to the place of truth and understanding. Thank you, Paul. That crucial conversation helped shape who I am as a leader today. Now, Diotrephes also refuses to help the traveling ministers, and he goes as far as to throw members out of the church when they help. And Scripture makes it clear that we should not have fellowship with false teachers and should be careful who we choose uh, to influence us. I I used to ask my girls, are your friends leading you closer to or farther away from Jesus? Because you're doing one or the other. You can't be in the middle. There's not a neutral ground when it comes to this. And I also think that we need to be careful not to exclude every person who does not interpret Scripture exactly as we do. There are many areas of the Bible where we can agree to disagree agreeably, excluding the gospel, of course. I mean, if that were not the case, I would not be up here today. Now, the root problem for Diotrephes is pride. And it appears that he was uh, of the belief that he was the only one to teach in his church, not allowing other teachers to take the platform. He viewed himself as the only one to make decisions, and then he forced his decisions on others to the extreme, even to the point of kicking them out of church if they went against his instructions. Now, here at Dayspring, we have a team of pastors and a team of elders who have different personalities and different approaches, who come together to agree on the best way for our church to grow us up in faith. Now, although Pastor Chris is the lead pastor, he has a team of people who provide checks and balances, who, are, who share the burden of leadership and keep him accountable. That is what healthy church leadership looks like. I mean, even the best leaders need to always be on their guard against the enemy attacking them in this area of pride. This is not just a trap for churches. Pride does not just apply to church leaders. It applies to all of us. It applies to our workplace, in our marriages, with our friends. Pride can take hold of us so easily. Humility, on the other hand, lives where Christ is. And when our hearts and minds are set on Christ alone, humility resides in our hearts, and there's little room for pride. John goes on to give instruction regarding the reputation of Diotrephes with verse 11. Let's take a look there. Dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children. And those who do evil prove that they do not know God. 
Now, we see a clear digression in behavior here. Ambition led to arrogance, which led to accusations, and culminated in actions that were wrong and led others astray. John is urging his readers to imitate what is good and to reject what is bad. Allow your reputation to become that of Gaius, not Diotrephes. Then finally, John introduces us to the character and leadership of Demetrius. Verse 12. Everyone speaks highly of Demetrius, as does the truth itself. We ourselves can say the same for him, and you know we speak the truth. Demetrius was a man worth imitating. He, he most likely was the one who delivered this letter, and he had a good reputation with fellow believers. Members knew him and loved him and thanked God for his consistent life and ministry. His integrity was intact. He not only talked the truth talk, he walked the truth walk. And scholars say that his life was above reproach and beyond question. He was someone you would say, I want to be like him when I grow up. And I think we would all say that we want others to think highly of us. But for what? For my financial status? Or do we want others to think of us in high regard because they see Jesus? Maybe they know Jesus and they recognize him in us. Or maybe we're the first or only example that someone sees of what Jesus looks like in another human being. Are we accurate representation of Christ? Do we have the reputation of looking like Jesus on the outside because we're abiding in him on the inside? And I would love to think that I'm a good representation of Jesus all the time, but the truth is I am not. I get my nose out of joint. I get frustrated and lack grace too often. I'm selfish, and I think of my own time and energy and desires above all else more often than I care to admit. I'm sarcastic, and I can make cynical comments. But... God, but grace. I can return to Jesus and admit my failures and my weakness and gain new strength and start again. That's the gospel. I can trust Jesus and give myself to Jesus and he will guide and strengthen me through the struggles in my own darkness. I have the opportunity through Christ to grow my reputation from, yeah, I know who you are, to, yeah, she must know Jesus because I, I see him through her. Or, she has something I wish I had. I think I'll ask her about that. As we close, let's look at our last bit of scripture for today. I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to write it with pen and ink. For I hope to see you soon, and then we will talk face to face. Peace be with you. Your friends here send you their greetings. Please give my personal greetings to each of our friends there. There's always so much more to say, but fortunately for you, I'm about to wrap this up. John loved his church. The pastors here at Dayspring love 
this church. Our heart's desire for you is peace and grace and growth and for you to know in the depths of your being the love that Jesus has for you personally. We want you to have the desire to live that out for the glory and honor of our Savior so that others can experience that kind of love also. We pray for you. Please pray for us. We are human beings with faults and challenges just like you who are in a relatively public position. And when we fall or we fail, we have the danger of taking others with us. Our reputation matters. Your reputation matters. So what's your current reputation? Are you bringing others closer to Jesus? Or are you pushing them farther away? What's the reputation that you want to have? What steps do you need to take for your reputation to move from where it is today one step closer to where you want it to be? I don't want you to leave today thinking that it's about what you do. It's really about who you are. Sure, what we do comes out of who we are, but it, it isn't about being good enough because we can't be. Remember that it starts with Jesus. And if you have not yet prayed to invite Jesus to be Lord over your life, you can join me in prayer in just, just a minute. But for those of you who have already given your life to Christ, remember that abiding in, in him, in his word, in prayer are all parts of the pathway to a changed life. And we want to help you take your next step. And these are just a few of what we call spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are things we can do to learn more about God and his character and practices that help us to grow closer to him, to abide in him. And there are other spiritual disciplines as well. You can learn more about those in our Explore 201 class that's coming up in October. But let's decide today to abide in Jesus, really abide in him that we may have a reputation that shows other the beauty and the love of Christ. Let's care enough about others to grow ourselves. Let's build a reputation of what Jesus really looks like, not what the world thinks he looks like. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you humbly today. I think our tendency is to be resistant toward change and willful against, willful against what you're trying to do in us. God, help us to break down those barriers. Help our hearts to be filleted open before you that you would come in and show us every detail, every area where what we're doing really is not bringing others to you. It's really, it's kind of showing who we are and it's not always the best. Open our ears and our eyes. Open our hearts. And for those who have never 
received Jesus Christ, have never said, okay, God, I, I really can't do this on my own. Simple, simple prayer. Jesus, I give my life to you. I acknowledge that I mess up, that I do wrong, that I make mistakes, and they're big and they're small. They're all kinds, but they, I do things that don't glorify your name. God, come into my heart and change that. It's that easy being open and willing to him. So God, have your way. And those who are making the new decision today, the first choice of God, I'm, I'm surrendering to you. And for those of us who have been around a while and we're saying today, God, I surrender to you. God, we surrender to you. And all of God's people said, amen. Thank you for joining us in worship today. Whether you are part of our Dayspring family or just joined us for the first time, we'd love to walk with you on your spiritual journey. Feel free to drop us an email if you have questions or want more information. For those of you who choose to invest financially at Dayspring, thank you for your generosity and your commitment to helping others grow. Every gift, large or small, matters, and God never ceases to surprise us with what He is able to do because of your commitment to following Him in every part of your life. If you're our guest today, please know that we consider your time a gift to us and this service our gift to you. There is no expectation or obligation for you to give. For those of you who would like to partner financially, there are three easy ways for you to give. Please see the online giving section of our website, or text GIVE to the number on your screen. And for those of you who still use them, you can also mail a check to us. We'd like to thank those of you who subscribe, like, and share these messages with your friends. If you are listening on our podcast, feel free to leave a review. More of Jesus is the answer to all of life's problems, and we appreciate your help inviting others to check him out. We'll see you next week.